for that last panel, I thought that it would be nice if uh, people can cheer me on as if I am running a marathon. You know, you want people to be at the finishing line. And because I spent one and a half years painting this and people knew about this uh, and followed through the whole process, it would be wonderful to, to see people coming to see this last mile. You're listening to BiblioAsia Plus, a podcast produced by the National Library of Singapore. At BiblioAsia, we tell stories about Singapore's past, some familiar, others forgotten, all fascinating. Hi everyone, I'm Jimmy Yap and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of BiblioAsia, a publication of the National Library of Singapore. A clog maker in Chinatown, book printing in Kampung Glam, a barber on Everton Road, and the last tiger in Bukit Timah. You may have seen these murals uh, around Singapore. They were all painted by the artist Yip Yu Chong. Since 2015, he has painted more than 80 murals in Singapore and abroad. In January 2023, he completed one of his largest works, titled I Paint My Singapore, this painting consists of 27 panels, and it's 60 meters long and just over a meter high. If you imagine five buses lined up one after another, that's how long this painting is. Today, I have the great privilege of speaking to Yu Chong to find out more about him and about this remarkable work. So welcome to BiblioAsia Plus, Yu Chong. How are you? Thank you, Jeremy. I'm good. <laughs> Congratulations on uh, completing this massive work. You know, which has been called your magnum opus. Um, not everyone has necessarily seen this whole painting. So maybe, can you describe it a little bit? This painting is about my life. My experiences when I was growing up in uh, Singapore, in particular Chinatown where I really grew up in the 1970s and then as a youth in 1980s. So this whole painting captures the experience of what I've seen, what I've uh, observed, heard, and everything uh, about the people around me too. And I've captured them in uh, 60 meters long of a canvas on linen. Uh, I use acrylic to paint this. It's made up of 27 panels plus one tighter panel. Each panel is 2.2 meter long by 1.1 meter high. So I joined them up all together to form a 60 meter long painting. And these 27 panels means, are there 27 scenes? Yes, the, there are 27 scenes altogether. However, um, I didn't really want to paint it as individual scenes. But uh, because logistically I have to break it up, otherwise it's very, <laughs> it's very hard, hard to, to put it all to, together. To it right? all together. Uh, I, I had to break it up into 27 panels. But I wanted to actually make a whole panoramic view of Singapore, especially from an aerial point of view. And that's why I uh, painted scenes from across Singapore, north, south, east, west, the southern islands, the interior, uh, a view from Bukit Timah, and the heartlands, the cultural districts. It's not just the scenes per se. I wanted to capture the daily life of uh, people and uh, how people lived, 
how people go to the market. You can even peep into the interior of houses. I love that. <laughs> I love the bit where you can actually look at it and see what the what people are doing inside their homes. Yes, right? and <laughs> not just the homes, even the National Library, the yes. old red brick library, yeah, you yeah, see yeah, yeah, the yeah. bookshelves, yeah, I, the I, old I, fountain. I, I love that. I yeah. love that. Oh, you still paint murals, but what gave you the, the inspiration to do this particular painting? I paint my Singapore. The idea started when I finished painting the uh, 44 meter long mural behind the Tian Hock King Temple. When did you paint this mural? I painted the Tian Hock King mural in 2017. So that gave you the idea of doing something even bigger? Yeah, because this mural uh, was painted outdoors, these images will disappear over time. So I wanted to uh, embark on something that is a little more permanent so that more people can appreciate it in the future. Uh, and that gave me the idea to want to do something indoor. But uh, it's, it's very hard to try to do something indoor that is that long, right? You need a big space. And that's why I thought, okay, I will want to do something that is portable, it's movable, you can dismantle it, you can re-exhibit it. And that's how I came up with this idea of painting on canvases that are portable, separable. Yet, when you put it together, it's a whole one grand display. They are not even in sequence. But I knew that for a viewer to be able to uh, view the painting as if the viewer is traveling around, these places must be, of course, side-by-side side connected. For example, Orchard Road and Little India, they are quite close. Braspasa and Orchard Road, they are quite close. They should be side-by-side. Side. I can't put Changi next to, say, the Padang. Right, right, right. right. That, that <laughs> yes, wouldn't make yes, sense at yeah. all. So I, I kind of uh, arranged them broadly in that uh, form. But along the way, uh, as I painted, and I got lots of ideas from the public. Oh, oh you need to include Pajaleba Airport, Hutong Pasir Ponds. Uh, which I didn't have in my list. So I thought, okay, uh, I need to insert it here or there. And that's how it, it happened. And that was also the reason why I didn't paint uh, these 27 panels in a sequence, say from the leftmost to the rightmost. Oh, I, I, I jumbled them all up. That must yeah. make it harder. No, it's not. It gives me flexibility. Oh. For example, I started in right. In, uh, somewhere in the middle, the Chinatown scene, because I, I felt I need to start with something I am most passionate. I must start from where? My home. And that particular scene showed the night scene of my family home where I lived in Chinatown for the first 14 years of my life on a second story shop house. So I started with that scene and then I expanded outwards. Mm. The second painting I did was... Uh, the woodlands, see? From Chinatown, I jumped to woodlands. But why woodlands? Why did you pick woodlands as your second thing to, to paint? Uh, no particular reason. You know, sometimes I was like looking at my list. Should I paint Topayo first or woodlands <laughs> okay. first? And so, right. okay, let me try to do something that is very different from Chinatown. I even had painted the causeway, you know, Malaysia. <laughs> uh, and zinc roof houses, compound houses. So it's a little different. I want to paint people's way of life. So I intentionally opened up some of these uh, building walls to show people uh, how we lived, 
how we worked uh, this, in, uh, in those years. That's one of the things I really liked mm-hmm. about the paintings mm-hmm. that you 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 have an X-ray vision, as it were. Yes. And I think you do that for for HDB flats. And what else do you do it for? Everywhere, even army bunks. You can see people <laughs> doing standby bed in the right, camp one right, of Falangta right, Kong. Right. <laughs> and I think you mentioned something about the library as well. Right? Yes, in the National Library, I open up one of the walls, the red brick building, and you can see people taking shelves. Uh, sorry, the books from the shelves. Okay, that's very mm-hmm. cool. That's very and cool. And the old fountain in the courtyard. Yes. And I even painted uh, X-ray vision of uh, office. People working late into the nights. I, I was reminded of myself as an accountant working right. late into the nights <laughs> <laughs> with the green screen computer. You've named this work, I Paint My Singapore. What is your favourite scene in this painting? My favourite scene in this painting is the very first panel that I painted, right, which is the scene of uh, Chinatown in the night time. It's specifically Krita Ae, right? You grew up in Krita Ae. Yes. In those years, we don't even call the place Chinatown, right? In the uh, what do you call it? We just call it Ngao Chia Soi. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I have fond memories of uh, Chinatown when I was a child. It's very different, obviously, the, from what you see today. Like you said, very touristy place. Uh, the Chinatown that I grew up in, uh, everything on the streets for example you see the wet market in the morning and then in the afternoon it became like a place for eating with hawkers coming and in the night time it became like a pasamalam where the same spot could be selling shoes or clothes so everything happened on the streets I live on the second floor of a, a shop house and do you know what was below? It was a funeral parlor. Oh, you live above a funeral parlor. <laughs> yes. That's why Sago Lane, yes, it was yes. called Sayan Kai, the street of the dead. Yeah. Right, right, So right. the whole street were filled with businesses for the, for the, the dead, fu- like funeral parlors, uh, shops that make those paper effigies yes, uh, yes. for burning. And, oh, you lived above uh, a funeral parlor. Coffee maker. Ah. And uh, a shop also dyed those uh, clothes where the, the the family, when they moon, they had to wear the dark blue, black. Yeah, they made those clothes. Wow. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I imagine the rent was slightly lower there than elsewhere. Yes, it, it was indeed very cheap. We rented the whole long house from the Arab landlord for probably... Nine dollars, and then we subdivided the whole longhouse uh, into cubicles and some smaller rooms, uh, or even uh, areas under the the bed, uh, for like fifty cents or so. Oh wow! Or a dollar a month. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh wow! So many families actually lived in this type of house. Right. Uh, it's not just one family. Uh, that time I think there were as many as like five families living in one floor in, in the same house oh, so on one have, floor of that yes house. yes yes wow yeah okay yeah. Um, it, it, and they're multiracial too Indians and the Chinese uh, could be living together in the, in the same long house is that place still there or has it been torn down where you, where the, you grew the up very, uh, the particular house that I used to live in uh, has been demolished in 1984 okay that's yeah, sad. we moved out in 1983 
And the reason we moved out is because the whole Chinatown had to be resetted when the big Singapore River cleanup campaign came. Uh, because when all the hawkers and wet markets disposed of the sewage water into the drain, where did they flow to? Into the, the Singapore River. River. Yep. So the, the government thought that we had to uh, clean up from the source. And that's why all the shop houses, businesses, residents had to be relocated. But the good thing is that we were allocated a flat just above the Chinatown complex. So the Chinatown complex was actually purpose-built. It was built to rehouse all these activities, businesses, markets uh, from the streets into the big complex, as well as residents like my family had to be resettled inside the complex. I, I did not is, know all this yeah. about, about yeah. the history of Chinatown. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. We were located a flat on the 25th floor. Wow, very, very floor. nice. Nice yeah, view. It, it was a really beautiful skyline. It was a panoramic view of the sea, which is very reflective in my painting. Ah. Right, You see uh, in my painting, I painted those skylines where uh, you have sea views, a few tall towers, office towers. Uh, that's really my impression when I grew up. I was literally watching how all these uh, tall banks Slowly. sprouted up day by day. And uh, when we moved in in 1983, we had a grand sea view. And then over time, <laughs> if you go there today, uh, my mom still still lives there, by okay. the way. Okay. Yeah, there, there's no more sea view. Because, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Um, you're known as a, a heritage muralist. You paint scenes of old Singapore. Uh, why did you choose to focus on old Singapore, on heritage, on, on local culture? The, the short answer is actually, it was by accident. Okay, no. How did it happen? What do you mean? When I painted my first mural, uh, it was on a conserved house, right? An old house. So the theme of some nostalgic scenes will best fit an old house in an old alleyway. Uh, and after that mural was warmly received and I received many requests to paint on other people's walls. Right, right. So that, that sort of set you off on yes, that whole... Yes, yeah. Having said that, and I love this niche. I'm 54. That's about the kind of age with so much changes today. Uh, you like to have fond memories of what you have seen that, are, uh, that has disappeared you know, or dwindled. And that's why I, I painted many of these things so as to uh, bring back that kind of a memories, mm. reminisce. The, the murals that you paint on, on, on the walls of shop houses and all that, that must require a lot of research. Tell me a little bit about your research process because you're not only painting for memory. You must have been doing a lot of research. Yes, for this painting, a lot is an understatement. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I, I spend more time thinking and researching than the actual act of painting. Yeah. What, what is the research process? The process of? is first and foremost, uh, imagination and uh, recollecting my own memories of my own childhood and youthhood, that forms the overarching image and composition of the painting. Yes. And uh, I didn't want to paint anything that I don't have a connection with. That's why I always start with, I'm going to paint my Singapore, my life, my impressions, what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've smelled, what I've uh, experienced. So, uh, 
That's the overarching. But yet, I cannot just paint without reference. So I went to uh, online uh, to look at hundreds or even thousands of photographs of old Singapore for the details and how, how the buildings used to look like, you have to research through many sources, including the, the National Archives website. Uh, for example, for the Waterloo Street scene, I painted this temple, the Sri Krishnan temple. Uh, today, if you go to Waterloo Street, you see this very colourful temple with, very, with lots of sculptures, elaborative, colourful sculptures. But... Um, I knew that at that time, it, it couldn't have looked like this. And that's when I looked into the National Archive website and looked for a photo of the, the same temple. The whole painting was depicted to be in the 1970s, 80s. So I was looking for the period, how this temple looked like in the 1970s or 80s. That's why I looked in the website and I was very surprised. Oh, wow. Uh, Today, that temple is so elaborate and so colorful. But in the 1970-80, it was just a simple temple with a, a gopuram on the roof and the statue of Sri Krishna at the, at the archway. So it's a very, very simple temple. Yes. And the only way you would have gotten, because obviously you can't remember what it looked like, back in the 1970s was like sort of go through old yes, photographs. Yes, yes. Apart from photographs, how, what, what else do you do? I read the stories behind the photographs and also those that don't have photographs which are just written. For example, I chanced upon the story of the Chinese Sikh in the Central Sikh Temple at Queen Street at that time, water along the Waterloo Street also, there, there was a Chinese Sikh. Oh, really? Yes. So this man, I can't remember his, his exact name, he wanted to be a Sikh. He wanted to embrace the religion. Uh, but he couldn't grow a beard. <laughs> the, the, the Sikh community, they welcomed him. So he just wear a, a turban and he, he, he served in the temple and the communities. Oh, really? So I painted him uh, serving food in in the temple. And you read and about then, him? Yes. I, I, I found out about this when I read through the stories. That's amazing. And, and, and not just reading through uh, stories, I also proactively uh, research for real-life information from people who are familiar with those places that I wanted to depict. For example, the woodland scene. I thought this... Kampong Lorong Fatima was a very interesting place. I actually um, came across this village before when I was uh, in my junior college. I thought it's very important to capture this uh, water village. And as I dig a little deeper, I looked through uh, some websites and also some sites or pages in the Facebook. I, I thought, okay, I'm going to interview uh, one of the residents. So I reached out to the resident, whom I don't know, of course, and I asked, how, how do you go home? And I realized that he had to, if you drive, you had to go through the immigration and checkpoints uh, and do a U-turn after that to reach the kampong. Uh, but uh, if you walk, cycle or take a motorbike, you can actually cut through a dirt track through the forest from Woodlands Road 
carry your bike or bicycle across the train track to reach home. That's amazing. Very interesting. And and you might think, oh, okay, then it's very troublesome, isn't it? Every day you have to bring your passport. They can show their passport or the NRIC number uh, with the address, Kampong Lorong Fatima, and they will allow you to go through. So, so he doesn't go all the way to Malaysia. He just yes. goes through the CI, goes through the immigration. That's what makes a yeah, short U-turn. U-turn and yes. That's, yeah. that's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So all these stories are depicted in the painting. And some also through suggestions from people. Mm. So mm. I, I was asking my friend, uh, who is very familiar with Bukit Timah, tell me some legends or stories about Bukit Timah. And I said, you have to paint the Bukit Timah monkey man. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the Bukit Timah <laughs> monkey man. I thought, it's so cool that your painting has a Bukit Timah monkey man. Right. You, in the in Malaysia, you have the Yeti. In Singapore, you have the Bukitima monkey man. Right, so right, These right. interesting stories will be lost if we don't try to tell them. And what better way to tell them than by putting it in a painting like this, where everybody sees it and then start a conversation. You know, as part of your research process, you look at photographs, you talk to people. What else do you do? I listen to oral history. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in particular, I always like to hear stories from the National Archives website. Uh, I remember hearing stories about the Chinese village. You know, for example, the 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 Spooky Bridge. The, the what bridge? <laughs> the Spooky Bridge. Oh, the Spooky Bridge. I, I do, I'm yeah. not familiar. Oh, those with stories the are most interesting to, okay, to hear. Okay. 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 How hmm. do you personally balance your historical research and the need to be creative? You know, take some creative license. It is indeed very difficult to balance, but I have to remind myself I am an artist. I am not a historian. I am not a, a person who documents history. I am an artist. So I always place aesthetic, uh, storytelling, and the meaning behind the painting as the first and foremost important. And that's why... Uh, I have more license to uh, recreate my impression in a way that I can emphasize on things that I want to emphasize. For example, I can even turn a building the other way around from reality and to showcase the facade rather than you know, the back of the building. Yeah, And I can also shrink the size of something else that I don't want to highlight and emphasize the size of the, or the activities um, that I want to highlight. Mm. But even, so uh, but what's interesting is that, you know, you take some creative license, you're not taking a photograph, you're painting. Um, but at the same time, it has to be, it has to be historically accurate because otherwise it will not resonate with people. You cannot put a, for example, a double-decker bus on Orchard Road in, 19, mm. in the 1960s, for example. And if you did that, people would, would not feel that it was real. It will take mm. them out mm. of the moment. Okay, th- th- there's always an extent of uh, memories and they are quite relative at times. Uh, in fact, what you've said, I actually did that. Oh, did you really? I put Boogie Street, the movie, on the billboard of the Lido Theatre. And because I'm debating 1970s and 1980s Orchard Road, the Boogie Street movie only came out in the early 1990s. Okay, but okay. I thought it's close enough. And why I decided to do that? Because I really thought that you know, that, that movie was uh, like a, a, an icebreaker 
in the, the movies in in Singapore. Right, rather than yes. rather than being a, as you say a documentarian mm. and capturing things exactly as they are. Mm. Well, uh, in fact, I I would say even for a documentarian or a historian, they also do that. There's some they, element of imagination. Yes, involved. imagination and also discrimination of what you want to show. Focus on. Focus on. As an artist, what do you find hard to paint, or everything is easy to you? No, I uh, straight line is not easy to. Paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, architecture oh. is not easy to paint. Oh. Yes, yes, but I, I, uh, that's why I tried to paint old houses because they they are never straight. <laughs> 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 um, for example, the Raffles City, uh, sorry, the Raffles Place scene in the my, I paint my Singapore and the HDB scenes. Yeah, I dread to paint all those straight lines. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use a ruler. You can use a ruler, but I don't because you can see that you know you use a ruler. So I always draw freehand. I I cannot clearly draw a straight line, <laughs> so I I know where you're coming from. I cannot draw actually. Um, you know, a, a lot of paint artists paint in their studios and then they're very protective about the thing. And only when it's completed, they show it to the public. You, of course, are very experienced painting murals. Everyone can see you work. But for this particular painting, I paint my Singapore. You did a lot of your work in a studio, but you did, I think the last bit of it, you did it in public. What is the difference, you know, painting it in, alone in your studio versus painting it in public? In my studio, I can turn on the aircon if it gets too hot, and I can turn on my music. Yeah, it's much more pleasant. <laughs> it's right? so, very comfortable. So why do you do it? Yeah. Why do you why do you paint your last the last bit of this painting out in public? In for that last panel, I thought that it would be nice if uh, people can cheer me on, as if I ha I'm running a marathon. You know, you want people to be at the finishing line. And because I spent one and a half years painting this, and people knew about this uh, and followed through the whole process, it would be wonderful to, to see people coming to see this last mile. Now, I enjoy both the process of painting indoors and outdoors, despite the, in the outdoors, hot sun and the rain, and sometimes the the smell of the drains. <laughs> I I love to be uh, painting outdoors because everybody who passed by or even came purposely to watch me paint, you know, they give me a lot of motivation and encouragement. While indoors, although I paint in solitude, I uh, also do it in a different way. After I painted something, I will expose it on social media and people can still cheer me on. So that's the only difference. Other than that, um, it, it's the enjoyment of holding the brush, thinking through, imagining what you want to paint, and then slowly seeing the painting come to life. That really makes me very happy. There are now two books that have been published about your your you and your work. Tell, tell us a little bit about them. The Art of Joy and I Paint My Singapore. What is The Art of Joy about? The Art of Joy is a narrative book written by my friend, Wun Tai Ho. Um, in 2021, he approached me, oh, let's write a book about your journey. And I said, what? It can't be because 
your books, I, I knew Taiho has written books uh, of veteran artists like Tan Sui Hien and Lim Tzu Ping. I said, who, who am I? <laughs> so I said, mm, it can't be, right? And he said, no, 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 no. It, it's not about the, the level or standard of the artist. It's, it's about the story behind it. So he convinced me, you know, that your story is really uh, interesting and should be uh, heard and read by many more people. And it also gives more meaning to the works when they know the stories behind it. And uh, I was, was still very apprehensive because if uh, I allow all the stories to be written, they are out there for everybody and there's no going back. And so he reconvinced me by saying, no, you can don't say what you don't want me to write. And then uh, you can also have the last say to delete anything that he, he, I have said and have written, he has written. So uh, after discussing with my family, I agreed to, to have that book. And yeah, it's been like one and a half year. So um, <coughs> The Art of Joy is, is uh, a story about how you became an artist and your, your journey. Yes. Uh, Taiho actually followed me for one and a half years to all my arts-related events. And he watched me paint. He interviewed people who came to watch me paint or even some of the talks that I gave uh, or activities. And uh, he observed through his eyes, through his experience of how people react, how I react, how I imagined and put things together. So it's about uh, human stories behind my works, uh, how these works affect people and in turn how the people interact and give me back uh, the, the share, share with me back the joy and that's why we call this the art of joy so it's not about uh, like it's not like a biography per se right? of course it, it, he has to write something about my own childhood in Chinatown but the large part of it is just about how my art affects the people uh, in society and in turns uh, affects me back and and um, <coughs> I paint my Singapore familiar scenes of yes, home. What is that about? The book is a picture spread book. It has nothing but just those pictures. It's the entire uh, painting captured inside this uh, book. It, it has uh, 27 spreads, so it's total 68 pages. Uh, I wrote a little caption for the whole painting of how I came up with the idea uh, and the process behind it. And that, that's all. The book will be available for sale at the exhibition and thereafter available at the bookstores. I hope that the people who come to the exhibition, they will pick up a book and keep it as a memento. I'm sure they will. I have no space in my house for a 60 meter long painting, but um, I can definitely find a space on my bookshelf for a book that has this painting captured within its covers. Yeah. And the good thing about the book is when you bring home, you can take your time to browse through the book and do uh, like a... Find, find Wally, right? Where's Wally? Oh, Wally, right? Wally, sorry. Yeah, finding Wally. Yes. Um, and look for everything that you didn't see in the exhibition. You finish your very long painting. Are you working on any more murals? What are you doing now? 
I'll try to do less murals. Oh, yes. you're moving away from murals. Yeah. Not moving away. I'll try to do less so as to uh, spend more time to uh, do my next act. Yeah. I wanted to be a more diversified and international artist. Uh, I can't be just doing the same thing all the time, you know, painting nostalgic murals on the streets or even canvases with Singaporean themes. So I am trying to embark on new themes. For example, I already started on a series of canvas paintings uh, called My World. Uh, it depicts scenes of all the f overseas places that I have been because I like to travel. So I've, so far, I've painted like a four places, uh, Bhutan, uh, Hong Kong, Tokyo, and uh, what's that last place? Thailand. Mm. So I will be painting many, many more places than I have been. Classic. And uh, on, on top of that, I want to also diversify in terms of format, not just the themes. So I want to... Uh, pick up some courses to learn uh, digital art and animation, although I, I'm already doing lots of digital art. But I wanted to do even more. I want to make it really slick. <laughs> uh, because in today's world, if you don't have anything that is animated or digital and moving, you know, it's, it's hard to at attract attention. And the other thing is I want to, to be ultimately a filmmaker. Really? Yes. Actually, I wanted to be a filmmaker even before I want to be an artist. I, I did not know this. <laughs> a visual artist, I mean. <clears throat> a, a filmmaker is an artist. Um, way back in even the late 1990s, I dreamt that I want to be a filmmaker. But at that time, there were like uh, hardly any film schools in Singapore. And I researched a bit and I said, oh, I need to go to, say, Finland or Sweden to study film. No way. I have a family in Singapore. So I kind of put that idea aside. And then, of course, in 2015, I got distracted with murals. And then from murals, I'm very happy. I am able to become the artist I am today. But that dream of becoming a filmmaker never goes away. It's just buried inside me and waiting to be the third act. I think my hat off to you. We hope that your dream will come true and we'll be able to see uh, these films uh, in, in cinemas or on Netflix or something. <laughs> yes, <Okay>. I will. <laughs> Thank you very much for, 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 for coming into the studio with us. We're sort of going to end this, this whole interview by sort of asking you know, more lighthearted questions. Um, so let me ask you, uh, is there a local scene you would like to paint but you haven't painted yet? I want to paint a scene of the funeral or the wake uh, at Sago Lane, where I grew up in and have seen it every day. Now, that scene, I couldn't paint it yet because, number one, if it is a mural, no, no one will commission a mural. <laughs> okay, even yes. if I volunteer, even if it's not a commission, no one will allow me to paint such a scene on their house walls. Do you ever have, like, like, you know, artists block you, 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 you can't paint for any reason. How do you overcome it? Whenever I have an artist block, I will go for long walks and look at the, the blue sky. And then uh, after some walking, 
and solitude, I think the ideas will start coming back again. What do you think about Banksy? Banksy is a genius, not just an artist. Uh, he's also a storyteller, an activist, and, and everything. Uh, it inspires me a lot how he um, brings everything together, whether it's a political message, uh, a message about humanities. And it's so multifaceted, right? I have seen simple war arts on the streets in, in, in London by him and also uh, a canvas painting in even Lassie's SG art held in Singapore uh, on a canvas. To on videos and news, uh, how, how he puts the the shredder to shred. Oh yes, <laughs> the yes, painting. Yes, the painting yes, I remember that one. <laughs> so, so it, it's it's the way you present different formats of art that you know in, intrigue me, and it's so attractive. So, yeah, one day I I hope I'm as multifaceted as, as him. Last question. Complete this sentence. Art is. Art is my life. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me on Biblio Asia Plus. Thanks, Jimmy. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to this podcast and the Biblio Asia newsletter. Thanks for joining us on Biblio Asia Plus.